闪过车站，相逢已见从情，心期待结成情侣，快乐过一生，因为家庭的环境。Welcome to another edition of Thinking Aloud About Film. Today we're returning to the subject of Taiwanese cinema. We're going to be talking about Encounter at the Station, which is one of five films by Sin Chi that have been made available online until the 30th of November by the Anthology Film Archives in New York and Taiwan Film and Audiovisual Institute and the Taipei Cultural Center of New York. Uh, and these are available online for free worldwide on Vimeo. We have now been covering these films as part of a context for Hu Xiaoshen uh, for, I don't know, the last uh, six months or so. Yeah. And um, the interesting thing is that they have been appearing in different platforms, the Taiwanese Film Festival, the, uh, the Taiwanese Film Institute. Um, and we're very grateful to have seen them because now uh, this is our opportunity to see five. And uh, we have now covered four of these films uh, but this one is one that we were missing. Uh, so uh, many thanks to Anthology uh, Film uh, Archives. I thought the film was so incredible that I'm thinking of making a trailer for it. It's almost like, you know, an Ur melodrama. Yeah, if you want to know what melodrama is like, this is about as good an example of your Yeah, I mean, my reaction to it was it, it kind of about half an hour into it, it gets to a point where, you know, Douglas Sirk would have thought, no, I think that's just going a bit too far. And then it just kind of carries on from there and builds and builds. It's it's amazing. I think the comparison to Sirk is only valid up to a certain point because these films really lack the visual elegance and complexity of uh, the Sirk films. But what they do really well is they have a, a B-movie vibrancy, right? Uh, in which you have a catalog of all the worst things that could possibly happen to you in your life at this moment, yes. <laughs> right? Uh, and and actually it's very revealing about, you know, about, about the times and also, you know, they're international. So you could just as easily have transposed this into a 1930s pre-code film yeah, and the situations would be the same and it would work just as well, right? So, so there's something kind of fascinating about how the basic themes are really international. I suppose that's the thing about melodrama, right? Because, you know, kind of melodrama is, you know, about fate, about your individual desires, but that society won't let you be. In fact, there's a moment where, you know, the protagonist says, I must accept it. You know, my father sold me in, yeah, into, well, you know, what is, into, into a, a, a nightclub, which really is like a front for prostitution, and I must just accept my fate. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? So, so, and of course, I think also the, the film and melodrama is very interesting about capitalism, right? Because all these forces that they can't control are brought by these huge social shifts, yeah? in uh, economics and, you know, migration and so on. And also, like, the family, right? Uh, so, and the film articulates it very well. So, for example, you know, uh, the protagonist is sold to a bar 
but she's rescued, you know, by this young professional. Uh, he introduces her to his family, but lies about, you know, who she is. You know, she's then revealed to be a, a, a former a B girl. And both she and the mother accept, yeah, that uh, it would make his social situation kind of impossible, right? So, you know, this contrast between capitalism, you know, social success, individual desire, it's like all at odds mm. with each other, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah? yeah. And I remember Almodovar saying, well, you know, I love melodrama because melodrama is, is what life is really about <laughs> <laughs> you know and actually in a way you can understand it yeah because it's about family and love and sexual desire career and success yeah i mean it is about all of those things really uh and the dangers and the denials and the pro prohibitions of, as to all of them right of course this one takes it to yes <laughs> which i loved i mean what did you think? yeah no I, th I thought it was amazing as i say it's just so you know the plot just goes in so many directions and, and just piles sort of misery and um and, and terrible things upon terrible things um has some great songs as well it yes. it um has sort of a happy ending with another great song but but yeah i, th I thought it was fascinating and, and as you, you talk about the, these being b movies i mean what's interesting is he made this was made the same year as he made the bride who's returned from hell um with with some of the same casts i mean the, these were being knocked off pretty pretty quickly i remember i reading on this maybe about 30 or 40 years ago but there's a wonderful book i think by peter brook called the melodramatic imagination and he talks about, you know, the word melodrama finds its roots in a combination of music and drama. And that origin it, it originated uh, uh, because you were only allowed to produce plays if you had the Crown's permission. Yeah? So I think only one or two theaters were allowed to put on plays. So in order for other theaters to be able to put on plays. They had to develop a new type of play that wasn't really a play, which was a combination of music and drama, where the music kind of, you know, took over most of the power of conveying kind of meaning and feeling. And you could see how a film like that has its roots in that, because, you know, everything that's significant is underlined by music or articulated by music, yeah? The, so yeah, the songs and the part by my baby <laughs> and actually I, I want us to enumerate them because these are you know like the thing the interesting thing about this film and the reason why it has such vibrancy is because it's like i don't know 20 25 movies in one right so in the first film she's a high school student who falls in love with a man on a train yeah but whose mother dies her father has gambling debts on her mother's deathbed, she finds out that, you know, they're not her real parents, you know, and, and, and the mother, the stepmother warns her to be wary of the stepfather, which, of course, she should because he immediately, you know, is trying to sell her to the first company. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, doesn't succeed. And that was interesting because that, that whole theme of, of um, you know, orphan children being you know, brought up by different yes. by different parents and mistreated by those parents is is a common theme in, in those films in, in, and in the 
Taiwanese new cinema films as well. A couple of the Ho Xia Shen films have, have a family dynamic where, you know, one of the children is adopted and you, know, you assume this is something that happened as a result of, um, you know, the, the events in, in, in the 40s with the, you know, the war against China and, and, and so on, a lot of people dying or, being, or, or, or disappearing. The other thing, you know, that it's like a, a characteristic uh, of melodrama is that effect always exceeds cause. In this film, her having appeared in a nightclub where, you know, at least from what we get in the film, she doesn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ruins her life forever. <laughs> right? You know, that's a film on its own. Kind of, you know, a young woman who sold into a nightclub to pay her mother's funeral expenses. <laughs> <laughs> you know, who's then kind of paraded in front of these men and luckily rescued at the last minute yeah, by true yeah. love. <laughs> yeah, because you, you, you've got that. And then you've got the, you know, the love triangle between uh, the, the two men and, and her. And that's a film in itself, you know, the, the sort of man she meets at the station and then her childhood friend who ends up, you know, <laughs> ends up saving her sight when she goes blind, which is an, another fantastic bit of the film. Um, so you've got that love, that triangle. You've then got the other love triangle between, because uh, when you know, obviously she, she's sent away, becomes a night hostess, hostess again, meets the man again, but he's already married. Um, although I think she doesn't know that, but if he then ends up, you know, I guess he, in, in, I don't think he marries her, but he ends up having children by both women and, and um, that, you know, two households, two, yeah, two households. So, um, and, and then obviously that, then you've got the section where, where that's all revealed and, and um, then, then, you know, the, the spoiler alert, the, the, the ending where the, the, the legitimate wife um, has some, um, terminal disease and, and uh, says take my children and my husband's uh, yeah. and then you so, and I've forgotten also about the sequence where the husband goes mad and starts haunting the station I mean it, it's it's just so much going on in this film I know and you could imagine that either they were making it up as they went along or they wrote the screenplay in like well it's based on a non <laughs> it's based on a novel um, it, oh, really? yeah <laughs> so, and what's interesting is it's based on a very popular novel um, but the novel was actually set during the 40s. Uh, during, during ah. the Taiwanese War of Independence, I guess, uh, and had a strong anti-communist theme as well as the the, 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 the love plot, and he then transplanted that to the, the to the then present day, which is interesting. I mean, that's exactly what he did with um, the Bride Who's Returned from Hell, where it's transplanted from you know Victorian Cornwall to contemporary Taiwan. Um, but I mean, I guess you know, obviously it's 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 cheaper to film in the present day than in than in a period setting, but also it just makes it more of, you know, more of a kind of exciting contemporary B-movie. I mean, I think the film is fascinating because it focuses on women. It focuses on women uh, being um, the victims of men, but it also reveals the complicity of women in the system. Yeah, the mother-in-law who understands, but, you know, nonetheless, yeah, her son needs to be a success and can't be a success if it's revealed that she's a big girl, you know. And then there's also that woman who beats her husband. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's got kind of like a complex uh, uh, depiction of, you know, of, of, of women, of femininity, in which there's a range of types, really. 
and and in which none of them are truly evil. So the woman who beats her husband really loves them. Yeah, the mother-in-law bit is interesting because while she does send the the bar girl away, she's you know she's actually very reasonable about it, got comparative reason about it. Offers her you know lots of money to help her set her life up properly. I mean, she's not throwing her out into the street with with, with nothing. And the the relationship yeah. between the wife and the and the and the lover is is interesting as well because they're sort of when they meet and when it's revealed that there are these two children. Um, you're expecting there to be a big fight, but it kind of isn't. They they they're both very reasonable about it, and the, the you know the, the 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 lover says, okay, I'm going to leave you to it, and then you know at, at the end it's actually those two women who who there you know resolve the plot together really, um, and the you know the husband is useless. So I loved it, uh, but you know I would say it's a B movie. Um, the film has a style. But I think it's an accidental style. So, for example, I was trying to I was trying to see are there any kind of visual devices, types of shots, you know, um, that are used expressively and to you know to what ends and whatever. And really, the dominant shot that I could see was just a kind of skewed, wide-angle shot, yeah, uh, where the edges are kind of fuzzy, and you just think that's the lens they used. You know, the film is in cinemascope. You know, they're trying to get everything in, and there really is no attention to visual design at all. In a Cirque film, you know, if there's a shadow on a face, it means something, and it's expressing something. You know, in a Hu Shen film, you know, if he's choosing to repeat a particular angle, it's for a very deliberate reason. You get no sense of that kind of thinking in this film at all. Yeah, so it kind of, it looks good, you know, but it, it just looks good because, well, I think for, part of the reason why it looks good is because it's such a sexy period. You know, the women look found fantastic in those, you know, those, I forget what they're called, those outfits. It's like in the mood for love, the, what are they called, the Chao the Chao Chens or something. And, you know, those type of heels that they wore in the mid-60s and the hairdos, I mean, you know, I think it's a particularly lovely period in terms of dress and, and so on. Uh, but actually, you know, in terms of using a kind of, a, you know, an audiovisual language, I think it's quite crude, yeah. So you know, there there are songs, yeah, that are layered over images to accentuate the meaning or to convey the meaning, you know. And I like them very much. They're very blunt, though. Uh, uh, and then there are, you know, uh, beautiful use of classical music, which I recognize but can't name. They're beautiful choices, but really they're they're just used, you know, under a scene of suffering. <laughs> Yeah, like kind of. He is not one of the great masters of cinema. No, no. Uh, and nonetheless, I love these films, and I do think that they tell us a lot about the culture, the types of problems that they have. They're they're almost like universal, and they are also kind of transhistorical. I again, you could imagine the same pro, you know, the same problems occurring. In the 19th century, I mean, there's all those Lillian Gish films, Orphans of the Storm, right? <laughs> you know, that kind of deal with very similar themes, really. What is the one? Um, Broken Blossoms. I mean, Lillian Gish being sold into, you know, white slavery. <laughs> I mean, it's like not so different by her evil stepmother. <laughs> it's almost like transnational and transhistorical. And nonetheless, it kind of gives you a feel for that period, right? Uh, there are these scenes where the husband goes mad and he's walking through the streets. The architecture of those streets is to me so similar 
to some of the architecture in central Havana, yeah, you know, those shops, yeah, with the columns, yeah, and, you know, that seems, uh, you know, to have been, and very um, undistinguished, architecturally undistinguished, very functional, yeah. Uh, so, you know, you recognize, like, a period in an architecture and also a type of wealth or lack thereof in the places, right? But then there's also like the station itself, which is kind of clearly symbolizing modernity and change and yeah, kind of something new. Uh, so, so, you know, these films are about a society in the process of change, where nonetheless, kind of the old values have a great social weight. Yeah, that kind of, you know, they create these invisible obligations and prohibitions and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of you know pure pure enjoyment really. I mean you know it's it's there's nothing intellectual about this film. It's it's just hugely enjoyable. As are the other four films as well. They're all different genres. Um, you know you've got the kind of gothic romance. You've got this melodrama. You've got kind of broad comedy. You've got the youth biker movie, um, rice dumpling vendors as well, which is I guess is probably the one that's most similar to this this one in terms of the melodrama. And and which is beautiful, you know. So, uh, you know, The Bride Who Has Returned uh, From Hell is kind of like a ghost story, gothic. Yeah, uh, Foolish Bride, we talked about it as a screwball comedy. Uh, you know, Dangerous Youth is like a, a Roger Corman film, you know, but <laughs> in many ways sexier, yeah. actually, you know. Uh, and uh, The Rice Dumpling Vendors is, uh, you know, an archetypal melodrama, uh, though this one is uh, Encounter at the Station, is so much more clearly focused on female desire, yeah, uh, that uh, I think it's even more interesting still. I, I suppose the other thing that I want to say is uh, that the video anthology showcase not only includes the film, but it's also kind of, you know, very wonderfully curated. So it offers introductions by Taiwanese uh, film scholars uh, that I think are very much worth seeing. Uh, and also for me, it clarified, you know, something that I hadn't been clear on. So, you know, this is a type of cinema that is called Taiyupian. Yeah. And I think in the past, we've talked about it as Hokkien cinema. And I now understand from the program notes by the Anthology Film Archives that Taiyupian, it refers to Taiwanese language films produced between 1955 and 1981, in which the characters speak only Taiwanese, and, and that means that it's either Minan, Taiwanese Minan, or Hokkien language, right? So we've been referring to them as Hokkien language, whereas some of them are Hokkien language, some of them are, yeah, Minan. Uh, they're not in Mandarin, which is, yeah, the, the contrast. And the name for the umbrella term for them is Taiyupian. So that is something that had not been clear to me before, and which is good to clarify here. I think the TFA AI is done an amazing job at both of restoring these films but also just making them available. I mean, we talked about this a bit with the Taiwan Film, Film Festival Edinburgh that clearly there's an element of, you know, promoting, you know, soft power through 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 culture. But, uh, you know, the, it's kind of a real model for how, you know, how do you promote your national cinema? Well, you, you make it available for people anywhere in the world to watch for free. So we have now uh, watched five films by Sing Chi. Uh, and I wondered if you had, a, and we've talked about how they're all from different genres, uh, you know, but in an old-fashioned, though, tourist way, 
What do you think all films have in common? Strong female characters, I think, in all of them. Um, you know, you, you do see uh, a bit of a rep cast of, of the same actors popping yes. up. Um, the taking, not all of them, but taking source material, taking historic source material from a historic setting and making it contemporary is, is a, bit of a, a bit of a common theme. Um, but I think, but I think also that they're, they're all they're all different genres, but they're all genre movies. You know, they're they're all you know they're they're all kind of popular entertainment. Um, yeah, they're not really trying to do anything other than that. And I think I'd be able to recognise a Sun Chi film actually. Uh, you know, the use of music is very distinctive. You know, and I think we, it, every podcast we've talked about music, right? Uh, you know, and we've often wondered about the licenses, <laughs> whether they have copyright. You know, but nonetheless, it's it's almost archetypally melodramatic use of music, but nonetheless, it's very effective use of music. It's it's uh, you know incredible music that is chosen, right? Yeah, like kind of you know he's got great taste, yeah, in in these choices. Um, so you know the music and the way that the music interacts with the visuals is definitely part of the pleasure of the film. Yeah, and it's part of what kind of conveys the feeling and the movement and yeah like you you get you get swept up in the music as well uh, you know as the stories right um i think they're very plot heavy yeah one thing happens after another after another after another and actually you know to give him credit so you know whereas i was saying that the visuals are often not as deliberately chosen and as precise you know in relation to expression as the hu xiaoxian films or the douglas sirk films he nonetheless has really striking imagery, right? Like every podcast we've done, I've kind of, you know, I've searched for an image that either evokes the film or that is very striking on its own. And there's no shortage of them. There, there are incredible uh, images in the film. It's just that, you know, and I imagine this is time. If he's doing 12 films yeah, a year, which he did in 1969, you know, you can't plan with that level of expressive precision, you know. Um, but the films are visually interesting without necessarily having a, 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 a lay, layers of depth to the visuals as some other filmmakers. Do. Yeah, yeah. I think to, talking about the music, one the one thing which I this one does, which I don't think the others have done, is that as well as having found audio, you know, nicked from other places, it does have these specially composed songs, which do also, you know, they tell you what you're about to see. I mean, the, the, the song over the title sequence, which basically you're told, this is exactly what's going to happen in this film. And you can imagine, oh my God, we're going to see that. That sounds amazing. Um, but that, that was interesting. And then, then again, halfway through the film, you get another one summarising, oh, well, things aren't going quite well at the moment, but hey, maybe things will get better. But oh dear, there's another, there's another wife. They're almost like integrated musicals, except the, the protagonists don't perform the music. It's diegetic music, right? But actually, it's narrative. It's telling you what's happening, right? Uh, in those, though, there are also other songs that are clearly nicked. Yeah, like you know, all the classical passages that underline emotion rather than reveal plot. You know, I think you know they're very beautiful, and I'm not sure that they were, comp you know, uh, recorded specifically for this <laughs> film. <laughs> or I certainly doubt it in the light of you know uh, uh, our experience of these films. These are widescreen, black and white, vibrant, exciting works of film 
that uh, works of cinema that reveal something about the culture that you get a sense you know that you understand you know something about the culture in Taiwan in this period the country the society and also gets you to understand and identify with it yeah it's recognizable in a way that so many other films uh, from you know foreign films are not and I think it's the it's the melodramatic impetus that makes them so so I'd highly recommend it. All right, well, thank you very much for listening. We are thinking aloud about film. I'm Jose. I'm Richard. Bye-bye. Yeah.